0: This is the Return to Order moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. The Insane Revolution of 2020. The series of events that could come to be called the Revolution of 2020 has spawned more than its share of insanity. All around the United States, unhinged radicals make demands to which no sane society would give a moment's notice. The reasoning, if it can be called that, behind many of these events would be comic if they were not so terribly serious. Such actions will be the focus of this episode of the Return to Order moment. The first takes place in America's heartland, the city of St. Louis. The article is entitled Good and Evil Clash at the Feet of St. Louis the King by Michael Whitcraft. On a blistering June 27th in St. Louis, Missouri, forces of good and evil clashed at the feet of a majestic statue of the city's patron. Fueled by emotion over substance, around 150 Black Lives Matter, BLM, proponents cried obscene slogans to a tribal drumbeat, demanding that the statue be torn down, despite its iconic status. Indeed, the statue is formally named the Apotheosis of St. Louis. In the face of this, around 50 faithful Catholics arrived at noontime to pray the rosary in unison, beseeching heaven to maintain the statue and thus defend St. Louis' Catholic heritage. Six or seven priests were among the faithful. The contrast between the two groups was razor sharp. While those in favor of the statue were content to pray peacefully and keep to themselves, they were victims of a continual barrage of insults, provocations, and profanity. Almost immediately, the anti-Catholic bigotry of the BLM protesters became clear as they shouted prejudiced slogans directly into the ears of the prayer warriors. These included, Your God can't hear you, Your church is a ring of pedophiles, and Your prayers are racist. Even worse, one of the priests present was repeatedly spat upon. Their intentions were clearly to provoke the Catholics. This was evident in their actions, which included putting their hands and signs in the faces of those praying and even blowing a deafening air horn directly into their ears. The atmosphere held a palpable demonic charge that was felt by all. This led some of the priests present to begin saying the prayers of exorcism over the disorderly protesters. Quote, In my 81 years, I have never seen such anger and hatred, and it was all inspired by the mere recitation of the Rosary, said local resident and veteran TFP member Dr. Howard Whitcraft. At the seat of St. Louis statue, I saw the face of evil. Unquote. The hatred that Dr. Whitcraft felt was clearly present. This was manifest by repeated threats of violence made against the Catholics. One BLM protester shouted at the author You look scared. You should be scared. Unquote. When the author responded, Why should I be afraid? Is it because you plan to get violent? Her only response was a silent glare. Similarly, when the author asked another woman why the life of retired police captain David Dorn, shot by rioters in the streets of St. Louis, did not matter to her, she responded, He was a pawn of the system. The author responded, I suppose that is why you do not think my life matters either. Once again, he was met with an ominous stare. In spite of everything, the rosary and exorcisms continued. At around 11.45 p.m., the emotional level was no longer sustainable for the BLM protesters. One by one, they slinked away until only around 15 remained. Under the shadow of the great crusader's saint, the Catholics had won the field. This is not to say that the conflict is over. In many ways, this event was a microcosm of the struggle facing America today. Spurred by violent emotions, the forces of evil are striving to demolish what little remains of Christian civilization in America. They are organized, well-funded, and encouraged by cowardly politicians bent on appeasement at any cost. However, this little conflict, played out in front of a statue in St. Louis, Missouri, demonstrates how victory can be gained in the larger struggle. If faithful Catholics resolve to stand up and peacefully resist, buttressed by prayer and sacrifice, they will win the day. The stakes are high, and the obstacles are daunting. However, in the words of St. Paul, if God be for us, who can be against us? End of Good and Evil Clash at the Feet of St. Louis the King by Michael Whitcraft. Perhaps the greatest insanity is the demand that the nation's police forces be crippled by defunding or even outright abolition. Mr. Ben Broussard considers the likely outcome should such quote-unquote reasoning carry the day in his article, Today the Police, Tomorrow the Military. The Revolution of 2020 continues. More and more calls can be heard across America asking for defunding or even abolishing the police. In ordinary insane times, these calls would be immediately dismissed. However, if anything characterizes the United States in 2020, it is not sanity. Sadly, politicians across the nation are jumping over themselves to acquiesce to these demands funds for police forces in many cities will be diverted to other quote-unquote social justice groups. Several of these groups openly desire the dismantling of Western society. As disturbing as this trend might be, even more disconcerting is the disproportional reactions to these revolutionary proposals. Conservative politicians should be loudly decrying the suicidal dismantling of law enforcement police officers should be speaking out against being labeled the country's enemies. There should be a massive outpouring of public support for the thousands of good police officers across America. Indeed, those opposed to this latest maneuver have been bullied into silence. Speaking out in support of the police is being labeled as bigoted or racist. Any politician who does not fully support the revolutionaries is now a target. Even liberals who express hesitancy can become the mob's next target. Have no illusions. Calls for defunding and abolishing the police are only the beginning of the leftist's demands. These efforts will not end with painting all cops as monsters. America's armed forces will be next in the crosshairs. The police and the military still symbolize order, sacrifice, and honor in an increasingly chaotic world. In survey after survey, the military is the organization Americans trust the most. There will be active efforts to undermine this trust, especially if active-duty troops are called upon to quell civil unrest. The present urban riots have many parallels with the revolts of the 60s. Thus the riots could lead to a repeat of the open antagonism and defamation of all active and retired military as was seen then. Open calls for defunding the military will soon be heard if the revolutionaries get their way in dismantling law enforcement. If these efforts are not actively opposed, subversive groups will eagerly take advantage of the weakening situation. Who benefits from this chaos? Not the American people. Indeed, If more Americans don't do what they can to support those who keep the nation safe, society will fall victim to foreign and domestic enemies. May God protect those who sacrifice to preserve the common good here in America, and may more Americans of goodwill turn to him in this hour of great need. End of Today the Police, Tomorrow the Military by Ben Broussard if there is any aspect of American life that one might suspect would be insulated from the insanity, it would be professional sports. After all, many athletes of various races and ethnic groups have found athletics to be a path to riches and fame. This is not so, as Drew Brees discovered when he tried to display his patriotism. Mr. John Horvath second, looks at that situation as he considers when a good quarterback gets sacked by political correctness. This article was first published in The Stream on June 15, 2020. Some think that fortitude is the mere expression of physical prowess and raw strength. Thus, for example, a quarterback like Drew Brees shows a lot of courage by being out there on the field. He is the focus of the entire defensive line whose purpose is to bring him down. These very strong and muscular men will hit him with great force that could lead to injury. It takes fortitude to confront such dangers. He must also lead his team to victory with his prowess. He must display physical skills and bring his team down the field. He must make controversial and risky calls. Everything depends upon him. His leadership role also takes fortitude since he must overcome surprises, obstacles, and fear of failure. However, fortitude involves much more than facing physical threats and obstacles. It often takes more courage to face public opinion than a physical brute. The scorn of others can cause the strongest man to quiver in fear. Moral courage is much more valuable to the character of the person than mere physical abilities. Recent comments by New Orleans Saints quarterback Drew Brees created a controversy that illustrates this important point. Here was a Christian man who has led his team to many victories, including Super Bowl 44. He also was an outstanding member of the New Orleans community, pouring millions into helping to rebuild after Hurricane Katrina. However, his quote-unquote politically incorrect comment set up a firestorm in which even his teammates turned against him, calling him an elitist, full of quote-unquote white insensitivity, living in his own world. What was his crime? The famous sports figure made an innocent comment that he would quote, never agree with anyone disrespecting the flag of the United States or our country, unquote. In normal times, this would be a typical patriotic statement. It expresses love for the country. He was referring to the disrespectful, if trendy, practice of taking a knee during the playing of the National Anthem at games. This dishonorable practice started with Colin Rand Kaepernick, then quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. Breeze assumed that he could express his opinion about the practice, even if others disagreed. However, In these times of political correctness, such a statement, expressing a personal opinion, brought down upon him the scorn of the media and liberal establishment. He had to face the mob and the risk of losing his job. This situation called for him to be as strong off the field as he is on it. He had to make a decision that required fortitude by standing up for his convictions for principle and the honor of our flag and national anthem. The intense pressure had its effect. Mr. Breeze promptly apologized for his statement, not only once, but twice. Indeed, the very Breeze who had faced charging linemen retreated in the face of the media blitz that overwhelmed him. He chose the worst of all options. Most of those whom he sought to appease will never forgive him and will always demand further concessions. His apologies will likely never be enough and will mark his career from now on. On the other hand, many who would have supported him have lost respect for him because he would not stand up for the national anthem and his convictions. I mention Breeze not to pile on, but to point out that he is far from alone. The quarterback is a symbol of a greater issue. America today lacks men who take the virtue of fortitude to the peaks of heroism. People are too easily persuaded to conform to whatever seems popular at the moment with the enraged mob. These are dangerous times. People are surrendering their freedom to express themselves. However, sometimes all it takes to change society for the better is for a single hero or a group of brave individuals to challenge and call out the culture. When such heroes move and assert themselves on the public stage, the riotous mob quickly and shamefully goes silent and disperses. Leaders who are exemplars of fortitude get things done. They do what is right for America. They are driven by principle and honor. They despise mob opinion and media-forged groupthink. Fortitude is the virtue by which the appetites and passions are guided by the rational soul with courage and constancy. It allows reason to dominate when situations cause fear and vacillation. The person shines with constancy and courage. The virtue adduces the respect and admiration of others. Indeed. Fortitude helps people brave the greatest dangers and resist intense persecution and obstacles so that they might achieve their goals. St. Thomas Aquinas cites Cicero, who affirms that, quote, fortitude is the deliberate facing of dangers and bearing of toils, unquote. Those who practice fortitude in heroic measure risk losing all. In the end, they gain everything, even if defeated they keep their honor and self-respect intact. America needs leaders who can show this fortitude in the trying times ahead. End of. When a good quarterback gets sacked by political correctness by John Horvath second, Even one of the nation's favorite restaurant chains, one with no history or even whispers of racism, has been attacked by the social justice revolutionaries. Mr. Edwin Benson explores the anti-family attack against the quote-unquote racist Cracker Barrel. In 1966, Mao Zedong launched his cultural revolution. He decided that Red China's greatest enemy was tradition. He made war on what he called the Four Olds. These consisted of old ideas, old customs, old culture, and old habits. It seems the left in America is borrowing Mao's old ideas. In the name of changing the quote-unquote racist culture, it is attacking the restaurant chain Cracker Barrel. Indeed, Cracker Barrel is an American vision of Mao's four olds. Their buildings look like rustic farmhouses on steroids, with rocking chairs on an extended front porch. Their menus consist of fare designed to make visitors think of Sunday dinner at Grandma's. The walls resemble a cross-section of America's attics, featuring old photographs, tools, and signs for products that have not been produced since the Truman administration. Even on the hottest summer day, a fire crackles in the large stone fireplace. The Fast Facts page on the corporate website sums up the intended effect. Quote, when our founder, Dan Evans, opened the first Cracker Barrel in 1969, he was passionate about recreating the old country stores from his childhood. Crackers used to be delivered to those old country stores in barrels, and people would congregate around them to discuss the news of the day. Since the restaurant was meant to help people reconnect with family and friends over a good meal, it was a fitting name, unquote. The menu does tend toward southern dishes. Country fried steak and catfish are prominent features. This stands to reason since the corporation is based in Tennessee. Yankee pot roast, Great Lakes Perch, and New England boiled dinners are not on the menu. Frappuccino is unavailable. There is not an avocado in sight. This vague southernness is now drawing the left's wrath. According to an article on the BPR BizPack Review website, the campaign began with a Twitter entry by, quote-unquote, diversity and inclusion advocate, April Rain. April's opening shot at Cracker Barrel was typical, quote, Open the door to a Cracker Barrel and you get a whiff of Jim Crow and biscuits, unquote. One of April's respondents shot back, quote, Y'all ever walk in a place that just feels racist? Unquote. Another entry reads, Cracker Barrel feels like walking in a place that was just desegregated three hours prior, but the breakfast is okay, unquote. The dialogue is having some traction on social media. It does not take much for something like this to go viral in the present atmosphere of tension. From one moment to the next, Cracker Barrel could be impacted and even boycotted for the crime of, quote, unquote, feeling racist. The desire to find racism inside the restaurant goes to great extremes. Some leftists interpret the restaurant's name as racist. They claim the term cracker refers not to the biscuit, but the pejorative term referring to a poor southern white. This is at odds with the idea in Mr. Evans' mind when he founded the restaurant. It makes no sense that he would name a business with a derogatory term that would offend both white and black customers. Nor can a serious historian of the African-American experience argue with Cracker Barrel's decor or menu. The front porch rocker is just as much a part of the rural black experience as it is that of the rural white. Often, the framed photographs found in Cracker Barrel locations depict black men and women. The Cracker Barrel menu shares many items in common with those of soul food restaurants. According to Wikipedia's soul food entry, Typical meals feature fried chicken, macaroni and cheese, fried okra, and cornbread, all of which are staples at Cracker Barrel. Nor does Cracker Barrel have any history of discrimination. African Americans are frequently seen in their dining rooms, both as staff and guests. The Cracker Barrel attack illustrates the current tensions that are tearing America apart. To the left, Anything that speaks of tradition, family, and American heritage is suspect. Cracker Barrel points to all three. Therefore, this attack must be resisted. In the world of leftist indignation, the facts are often irrelevant. The emotion, the quote-unquote feeling, is the essential factor. Emotions are more easily communicated than facts. Emotions carry an instant charge. They are hard to engage with rational arguments. Facts must be analyzed and understood. Cracker Barrel represents a threat because it evokes memories of family and tradition. A taste of chicken and dumplings, just like Grandma used to make, can turn the mind to other thoughts of Grandma and of the principles and values that Grandma represented. Mao understood this. He ordered that the items that represented the four olds be destroyed. As long as these things existed, they beckoned to Chinese society to return to the old order. Nostalgia for any aspect of the world before Mao had to be stamped out. That is why the debate over Cracker Barrel is important. There is now an organized attempt to bring down all statues, rewrite all history, and restructure American society in the line of a Marxist ideal based on class struggle. The wholesome aspects of the Four Olds are the best defense against this cultural revolution. Institutions like Cracker Barrel are on the front line. This is the end of the Insane Revolution of 2020. Thank you so much for listening. To read these or find related articles, please visit our websites at www.tfp.org and www.returntoorder.org. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask you to subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. In that way, you can help Return to Order be more effective. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2020 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.